We want to take a, uh, just a little pause in worship this morning to do an activity together, a family activity together. And some of you already are like, oh no, one of Pastor Ron's activities. It, it'll be okay. Uh, on Father's Day, on Mother's Day actually, we started to talk about uh, just some practical ways to put into practice loving God and loving others. And that's been our theme this year. How do we love God and love others? And I wanted to read Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40 again. Teacher came to Jesus and was talking, trying to, to trap him actually. But teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. We talked about that at the beginning of the year that Jesus really summed up everything, every command into love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, love others. And so on Mother's Day, we talked about loving God in the home and how we pass that on. And we studied through Deuteronomy 6. And then on Father's Day, we talked about just a real practical way. How do you do family worship in a home? And gave tools and encouraged you to do that. Many of you did our family worship challenge. And I loved hearing the results of what happened in your homes. Today, we're going to be talking about the, the second part of that. How do you teach loving others in your home? How do we pass that on? And we're going to be real practical about that. Don, if you want to put that picture up, someone posted this earlier, um, a sign, that love thy neighbor thing, I meant that. And sometimes we can fall into, okay, I get the loving God part because that's my, my faith, and, but you want me to put it into practice? And that's sometimes where we struggle, and so we want to talk about that today. One, one person in, on one of the signs said, notice that there's no asterisk. You know, an asterisk is like exceptions. Love others, except if they're like, if I really don't like them or if they're really annoying. No, none of that there. There's no asterisk. And so today we want to talk about loving others in our home. How do we pass that on? In your notes, there's, there's 10 points. I'm not going to do them all now. We're going to do one of them now, put it into practice, then we'll jump back to worship. But number eight on your notes is encourage others as a family. Encourage others as a family. Listen to these verses. Philippians 7, Philemon 7. For I have derived much joy and comfort or encouragement from your love, my brother, because the heart of the saints have been refreshed through you. And we see loving others tying to encouraging others. 2 Corinthians 13.11, a passage we studied two weeks ago. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort or encourage one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Hebrews 10.24 and 25 Let us consider how to stir up or prod one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What I'd like to do in your worship folder, you notice there's an encouragement card. What we'd like to do is put this into practice while your kids are still in the room. Because this is something, those of you with kids, this is a way you can start to teach how to love others by learning and, and getting into the habit of encouraging each other. So those encouragement cards, I'd like to take about two or three minutes, grab a pen or a pencil out of your purse, or there's some in the back if you need them, and we're just going to pause and fill one out. As If you have kids, bring them in, let them choose who to fill it out for. Could be someone in the church, could be someone outside of the church. But part of the biblical instructions for loving others is to encourage one another. 
But let's put this into practice. How do we love others? We start by encouraging each other. So just grab a pen, pencil, grab the encouragement card. Um, you should see that in your worship folder. looks a lot like that, exactly like that. Um, if you don't have a worship folder, there's more in the back as well. So let's do this together. I'm excited to get into God's Word and give some practical ideas today for how to love others in our homes. Now, I know that, that we have a wide variety of homes represented here. We have grandma and grandpas with no kids in the house. We have singles. We have kids with, or families with small children that are just trying to survive. We have families with older children that are just trying to survive um, in different ways. <clears throat> but God has blessed us with a lot of different um, types of families. And the command to love others, to love our neighbor as ourself, is universal. It applies to all of us. And so when we talk about how to love others in the home, for grandma and grandpa, it's setting an example. We need you to show us how to be hospitable. We need you to show us how to reach out beyond ourselves and to care for others. For families with kids, this is a, a huge part of, of raising them to follow God. And we'll talk about that in a moment. For those of you that don't have kids or, or maybe aren't married yet, these are habits to get into because every believer is called to love their neighbor as themselves. Every believer is called to love others. And so all of these things you can put into practice in whatever situation you're in. And these are things that are good to be reminded of, things that are, are hard to pass on because we are a selfish people. Is that safe to say? We, we, in our human nature, are a self-centered people that we don't naturally, other than a, a few wonderful personalities, but we don't naturally reach out to love others unconditionally and reach out to love others beyond ourself. Yesterday I was playing with the kids out back and, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm talking about loving others in the home. I'm just going to ask the question and, and see how, how spiritual they are and wonderful my kids are. And I said, how can we work on loving others as a family? And there was a pause. I'm like, oh, no. And finally, the boys look at me and say, play more video games? I have failed as a dad. (laughs) You you feel that way sometimes, right? Because their first response is not, how can we love others? Their first response is, well, what do I want to do? And then maybe how can I answer dad's question where I still get to do what I want to do? And, and I'm like, that is not loving others. And this is right after the Pokemon Go thing. And, and yeah, no Pokemon Go in the service. Let's just say that right up front. <clears throat> I learned a lot. <laughs> I learned a lot about that last weekend with the college group. Um, but I said, okay, so how does that love others? Because I'm, I'm trying to, to turn what I think is just a failure into a good situation. Like, well, well, dad... Other people play video games. And so by playing video games, we are connecting with other people. And we are opening up conversations. Oh, you are just justifying this. You're making this. So we we had this conversation, but it was a reminder that we don't get this naturally, do we? And I don't think that kids are very different from adults. I think maybe they're a little more honest with their answers, a little more open with their answers, and we've learned the right things to say. But we all struggle with putting our faith into practice where it means sacrificing ourselves to love others. That struggle, because it's not natural to us, is also why we need to be intentional in our homes of how to pass this on. If we think that loving others is just something that our kids are going to mature to do, we are sorely mistaken. 
unless we take intentional steps and proactive steps to teach them to get out of their own heads, get past themselves, and to love other people. It may be something that those of you with kids, you tell your kids over and over and over again. And at times you may think, I've told them this and taught them this for the hundredth or the thousandth time. And my word to you would be, yeah, that's parenting. That's what we do. Because doesn't God do that with us? How many times do we catch things the first time God teaches us? I don't. And so we, we, we're used to God having to repeat things for us. And, and we have to do that with our kids. And it's amazing how many of you with kids that are older say, man, once they're out of the house, they came back to me and said, hey, that thing that you told me a thousand times, now I get it. And moms and dads, you might be training for, for five years from now or ten years from now but you're still training and be intentional. And so we want to be intentional as a church and as a church body of how we love God and how we love others in the home. I want to start by just a couple of thoughts about loving others. What is it? Love's this big word. And and we've talked about this. And just to, to remind ourselves of a definition we gave back in January, which was a while back, loving others is to act for the well-being and care of another to act for the well-being and care of another. And you get different, different parts of that definition that I really like. One is to act. And love is an action. We think of it as an emotion. Love is primarily an action that the emotion follows. You can say you love somebody, but if you never show it, they will not believe you, right? And we've talked about that in marriage. We can talk about that in friendships. Love must be accompanied by actions because it is an action. So to act for the well-being and care of another. So we're acting for the good, not of ourselves, but of another. One rabbi, in reflecting on this passage, said, love means to be useful and beneficial to another. I like that. And so when we think of how to love others in the home, our thoughts should be, yes, we want to get the, the emotions right, we want to get the attitudes right, but how can we act on that? And so today we're going to talk just real practically. What are some ideas for how to pass on loving others in the home? And, and we'll, we're going to look at a lot of different scripture. If you, it's sort of sword drill day. And we're going to look at a variety of different verses. A couple of other things about loving others. And this is interesting. The, the first is that loving others is part of discipleship. When we talk about discipling each other and wanting that to be part of the DNA of village, discipling our families that's in our vision statement, Part of discipleship is loving others. Jesus in John 13, 34 and 35, a familiar passage. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Notice the repetition. Almost like we need to hear it over and over again. Almost. Verse 35. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And Jesus links loving others with discipleship, with people knowing that we are disciples. It's a familiar verse, but teaching our kids to love others is part of discipling them. If we leave that out, we're leaving out an essential part of discipleship. A couple of other thoughts just in review of what we've talked about before. The ability to love others comes from God's love for us. We, we have to remember that as we go into this discussion because there are people that we easily love, right? And can I say there's people that we don't easily love? Anyone have? No, don't, don't raise your hands. 
We have people that annoy us sometimes. There's personalities that just butt heads. There are times it's hard to love people. Or when someone has hurt us, it's hard to love them. Our ability to love others comes from God's love for us, which never ends, is unconditional, is with us, and is new every morning. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because He first loved us. It's the very first verse my parents had me memorize. Not Jesus wept. It was this one. We love because He first loved us. Profound. We cannot love fully unless we experience His love. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Just put it out there. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And so love comes from, our, our, our ability to love others comes from God's love for us. This is why there can't be an asterisk on that sign. Because there is no asterisk in God's love for us. And if we're to model it, we love each other no matter what. Last thing we've talked about is loving others fights an inward focus. It it fights self-centeredness. It combats it. It attacks it. In 1 John 3, 16 through 18, By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. We should be willing to die for each other. And that may be in a physical sense, but it's also in a sense of I will die to self. I will die to what I want for my desires for you. And so loving each other fights that inward focus. John goes on to say, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So that just gives us a little little reminder of some of the things we've talked about about loving others. But I want to jump into ten ways we can put this into practice in our homes. And yes, we will still be done by 11. It's more a list than points. You know, that, that's, that's always what I say when we're going to go quickly and through things. But by giving a list, I'm hoping I give you some tools in your toolbox, like we talked about with family worship, that you can start to put some of these in practice, whether it's just you, whether it's you and your spouse, you and your kids. What practically does it look like to love others? How can we, we do things that pass on intentionally those principles to our kids? Number one, if we're to put it into practice in our homes, we have to start in our own home. Start in our own home. And this is sometimes when we think of loving others in our homes, this is where we start, right? Because as as one of the elders was saying this morning, our own homes, sometimes we relax and let down our guard. And that's the place where we nip and we bite and we annoy and because I'm just being myself. I'm being transparent and genuine. Well, no, we're being sinful, and, and we, we have to understand that sinful is, is not the goal here. And so we know that we, we start in our own home. We need to practice loving each other as a family. That might be the hardest place, but it's the place. I tell my kids this all the time. If you can learn to love your brother, if you can learn to love your sister, you'll be able to put that into practice outside of the home. One of my kids this week um, was, was away from the home and um, one of the others, I'm trying not to use names here, one of the others said, oh, I miss so-and-so. I'm like, oh, that's sweet. They're loving each other. Yeah, I miss having someone to bug. <laughs> okay, then. And um, we're so used to that in the home. We let down our guard. Dads and moms, you're examples to your children all the time. How you treat each other 
how you talk to each other, the tone that you use, sometimes how we don't talk to each other because we're angry. Those are all setting examples to our kids of what it means to love others. How do we treat our children? How do we treat extended family that we're about to see? How do we talk about them? These are all ways that within our own home, we're teaching. We're saying this is what it means to love others. And we may be teaching that sarcasm is the way. We may be teaching that anger is the way. But it starts in our home. Dads and moms, I I would argue that it starts with your relationship. The marriage relationship is foundational and sets the tone for the home of how the kids are going to respond. And so dads, you are the pastors of your family and and you're to love your wife as Christ loves the church. And so we have to be be careful of having abusive language, of having demanding language, authoritarian language. These are things that teach our kids to be self-seeking and self-centered and demand their way. Rather, dads, if you look at Scripture and, and a whole number of Scriptures, dads are to encourage They're to lead well. They're to honor their family, protect their family, provide for their family, enjoy their family, comfort their family. Moms, how you respond to your husband's leadership is key. Is key for your family because you're teaching interpersonal relationships. How you love, how you submit to him is teaching what kind of actions we should have for each other. As dads need to be beware of abusive and and self-centered language and authoritarian language, moms, be careful of nagging. I I know we we joke about that a lot, but it's so easy to just subtly try to to get hints in and get your way. And, And those types of things are teaching your kids to nag and to bite and to bicker rather than encourage and support. Dads and moms, we've got to set the tones in our homes if we're to teach our kids to love others. That tone is essential. Let me read Ephesians 4, 29-32. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And, and just let me start. We, we read this verse a lot for the church, right? And for each other. Well, it applies to our homes too. It applies within the four walls that nobody sees beyond. Let no corrupting talk, 29, come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Man, we come back to verses like this every day and remind every day, was that language showing grace to each other? Was that language loving to each other? Or was it tearing down? Paul goes on, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That's how important this is. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And so if we're to put this into practice in our homes, one of the things that we need to do is make sure that there is no allowance for insults and sarcasm in our homes. It's not a tone we want to set. It's not a biblical tone. And so we need to be on guard. A godly family does not insult each other. We don't deal with communication by way of sarcasm. 
We have to be careful of this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Because sometimes, moms and dads, what we think of as fun and we can understand, our kids don't. How many of you have had your kids come and say, so, so why don't you like so-and-so? Or why don't you like mom? Are you mad at mommy? No, we were just having fun. Kids don't see the fun. They just see conflict. And they're internalizing that from early on. So we don't insult each other as, as godly families. We, we want to be careful of sarcasm. We don't want to fight with each other. Now, do those things happen? Yeah. And so, so what do we do? We deal with it. We, we come back to Scripture and we teach over and over and over if we have to. One of the things that's going to come up in, in, in several points today but one of the things that's helpful as moms and dads or, or with spouses is to come back to the, the understanding that all of us are created in God's image. That is a foundational doctrine out of Genesis 2 that helps us understand why we should love each other. Because I'm loving someone made in God's image. And so sometimes with the kids, it's like, do you realize your sister is made in God's image too? Yeah. <laughs> so... And then we, we try to explain what that means. Do you realize your brother is made in God's image? Try to give them something more than just don't do this and do this. But the foundation of that is that that person is made in God's image and, and they believe in Jesus. They're a child of God, a son or a daughter of God. And that may take a hundred times, but I guarantee they'll remember that. So it starts in, starts in the home. Practice loving each other as a family. Second tool that we have of learning how to love others well in the home, practice forgiveness a lot. Practice forgiveness a lot. We mentioned that in verse 32 of the Ephesians 4 passage. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I've talked about forgiveness is letting go of things freely. It's letting go of things forever. It's letting go of things fully. That's forgiveness, completely letting go. We have to teach our kids that. That, again, is not natural. What's natural is to hold grudges and to hold things that people have done against us and to be angry and to want to get them back. But we need to practice forgiveness as a family. One of the, I asked part, part of preparation for today is I asked the elders and pastors, what are some of the things you do to teach your family to love God? And what are some of the things you do to teach your family to love others? And, and one... Um, one of them said, when there's a conflict between the kids, we talk about forgiving like God forgives us. That is the way we can love each other well. And, and so we want to be teaching forgiveness in our homes. When Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, we, and we, we talked about this, we, he's quoting Leviticus 19.18. And Leviticus 19.18, if you understand the context where the original command to love others comes from, it's in the context of don't hold a grudge or a grievance against each other. Leviticus 19.18 says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 5.43, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And so Jesus has a whole different mindset when it comes to offenses against us, when it comes to to holding on to things. Don't bear a grudge. Don't take vengeance. 
Let it go. Forgive. And so how does that work out in the home? One of the ways it works out in the home is that when there's discipline, when there's an offense, if an apology is given and we encourage our kids, we teach our kids how to apologize, and that apology should be a very specific apology. Moms, dads, don't take, I'm sorry, as an apology. That's not an apology. That's an out. Trying to get out of the situation. Apologies should be specific. I am sorry, and, and we lead our kids through this. I am sorry for such and such. Will you please forgive me? And, and if that is followed, then the other one's like, no, no, okay, now what do you do? And this is, this is part of training your families. This is normal, natural, and beautiful. And so then we teach them to forgive. But part of teaching them to forgive is to not bring it up again, to forgive fully. And so then you, you know what families do. You know what adults do. We're like, oh, that person's doing it again, and, and they bring it up again. No, 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 you forgave them. Do you know what forgiveness means? And so we're, we're, we're leading our families to understand these biblical truths, how to ask for forgiveness, how to give forgiveness. Dads and moms, this applies to your relationship. Your spouse ever offend you or hurt you? I know probably no one in here that's ever happened. Now, we, we live with each other. We, we offend. We rub shoulders wrong and things happen. Model for your kids how to ask for forgiveness. Model for your kids what it means to forgive fully and restore completely that relationship. You're teaching them how to love others well. You know, dads and moms, if, if you... Find yourself on a day that you've lost control with your kids and you've yelled or you've said something you shouldn't. Go to them and ask for forgiveness. That will teach them more than anything else. You, you may say, well, my pride and my authority. and No, no, no. Go to them, admit it, ask for forgiveness and see what it does in their lives. You know, one of the other way we practice forgiveness is a lot as families, just ideas is there are times that other people may, may do things or our kids see that other people have done things to one or more members of the family. And so letting go of offenses against our family is part of showing forgiveness. But God's Word ties loving your neighbor as yourself to forgiveness, to letting go of these things. We must teach it. So practice forgiveness a lot fully, freely, and forever. Third thing, get up and help others. I had this just as help others, but I think sometimes we have to remind it to get up and help others, to to take action, to make the time, to serve others when we could be serving self. In Luke, when when Jesus is again, he's interacting in Luke chapter 10, and someone comes and says, how do I inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, what what are the, the two greatest commands? And again, that that teacher says to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. And it's really interesting because the very next thing Jesus says is who is your neighbor? And he goes into the story of the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan is a story, isn't it a story about taking action? The, the, The first two people, the religious leaders that come by, they step to the other side, they do nothing. And finally, it's the Samaritan, the outcast, the person of a different nationality. He's the one that takes action. And so loving others, Jesus has tied that story with loving your neighbor as yourself, that it is about taking action. It's about helping others. In Galatians 5, 13 through 15, 
For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And Paul to the church at Galatia says, part of loving your neighbor as yourself is serving them. It, 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 was, it was fun studying for today because I just did a search on all the places where love your neighbor was used and then love one another. And, and almost all of my points were just out of love your neighbor and the different things that Scripture said were involved in that. And one of them is serving each other. Now, now how does this look in the home? How can you begin to put this into practice? We need to, 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 to as a family... Find ways to get out of our comfort zones, get out of our routine, and do something for someone else. This isn't that profound. It means maybe if you hear something on Facebook and there's a need and someone says, hey, I need this, to say as a family, hey, can we meet that need? What do you think? Let's go help so-and-so. I know um, some meals were just posted for, um, for Edward and Ashley. Good to see you guys, see you this morning. Some meals were posted. That's a great way to help others. And, and to say, how can I do this? If you have kids, get them involved in making that meal. Several of the elders say helping others with, with actions, word, and resources, serving others in everyday life. You know, make this fun. Sometimes with, with, with your family, you can say, we're going to do a secret act of kindness. I remember growing up hearing stories of dad and mom doing this. We're going to get a bag of groceries. We're going to deliver it to somebody, and they will never know who gave it. And, and right there, especially if you have boys, they're on board. Secret mission? Oh, yeah. But what are you really teaching? You're teaching to serve others, to help others. And, and I, I've seen families that do this, and their kids are talking about it for months afterwards. Because the whole secret thing, they're like, will they ever find out? Do they know? They're looking at them. And, and, and it's just a way of teaching that our mindset to, is to love others, to love God and love others. Find ways to intentionally show kindness to others. It, it, it can be just about anything. I, I, I've seen people in our church randomly go and wash someone's car. That's really cool. It may seem silly, but what we're teaching is to get past ourselves and to think of others, to help someone move, to provide a meal, somehow finding ways to bear each other's burdens, to help, to serve. In our homes, those are are great ways to teach how to love others. Fourth thing, invite people into your life. Invite people into your life. Be hospitable. Romans 12, 12 and 13, interestingly, has both, both help others and be hospitable. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And then verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints. That's the helping others, right? And then, and seek to show hospitality. So one of the ways that we teach our kids how to love others is by inviting people into our lives. Going out to dinner with people, even getting your meal and coming back and just eating together in the gym. Being part of each other's lives. Having someone to your house for dinner. That, your, your kids are watching that. And they're learning life isn't just about our little family. Life is about reaching out. God wants us to show His love to other people. 
You know, if you, if you, depending on the age of your kids, you might want to invite one of your kids' friends or one of your kids' friends' family. And, and again, I'm looking for ways, how can we pass this on to the next generation? And that might be uncomfortable as a parent. You know, for me, maybe it's saying, okay, what's one of Mark's best friends at school? Could we invite their family over? I don't know their family. But he does. I'm teaching him what it means to love others. Fifth point, or fifth thing on the list, insist on respectful talk about others. Insist on respectful talk about others. I would star this. I would highlight this. As I have been a pastor, I have seen this as one of the major breakdowns in teaching our families to love others. How do we talk about other people? Especially as soon as we leave the church and shut the doors and no one else can hear us. What do we say about the people that we just worshipped with, that we just said were our brothers and sisters in Christ? Coming back to the Galatians 5 passage that, that I read, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Catch verse 15 that he ties to it. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you may not be consumed by one another. See, we need to be careful not to criticize others, not to complain about others, not to berate them or put them down. And I I know the temptation, especially when we disagree with someone, is to say, well, I'm going to teach my kids the correct way. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counter that with my kids, but I'm going to do it away from them so I'm being respectful. You're not teaching your kids the correct way. You're teaching your kids to be puffed up and self-centered little creatures. That's how serious this is. You know, I got to work in, in youth ministry for many, many years. Not to scare you, but I could tell how you talked about people in the home. From family to family. I could tell the families that were respectful and on guard. And I could tell the families where just about anything went. Be on guard. Be careful. We know God's word says to be encouraging, to to, to be building up. What if we did that in our homes? What if anytime someone in the home started to talk negatively about someone else in the church or a neighbor or something, that we jumped in and said, well, what do you love about them? What do you think is great about them? One of the elders said, respecting others is key. Key to teaching your family to love one another. It's throughout Scripture. We could go verse after verse after verse. I just chose the Galatians 5 passage. But how we speak about other people passes on what is important to our kids. Be careful. Be on guard. Number six. This is especially pertinent in in culture today in the last two weeks with the news stories. Show love to people of different status, race, age, etc. No partiality. Interesting in James 2. James is dealing with issues of preference. In this case, status and wealth and the rich getting the the best places, the poor being sort of pushed off to the side. And James comes back to love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. In James 2, verses 8 through 9, 
if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law of transgressors. We saw this in the Good Samaritan story as well. The Samaritan was the despised person that that wasn't a pure Jew. And that was the hero of the story that was willing to love others. Willing to love their neighbor. We need to show love to people of different status, race, age, etc. This again comes back to how we talk in our home, how we act toward other people. News stories are all around about the shootings. And and, and we have... Um, we have police officers being shot. We have people of different nationalities being shot. And we ha- we're, it, it feels some days that we're on the verge of riots. I remember on the college camping trip, every day we'd, we'd log in when we got to, to um, signal and there were different news stories. And it was chilling. But, but here's the deal. This comes back to what we talked about, about we're all made in the image of God. It doesn't matter what color. It doesn't matter what status or what age. We are all made in the image of God. And so I should grieve and we should grieve for the officers that were shot in Dallas. We should grieve for the people of different ethnicities that are targeted by police. There are bad police officers too. And we should grieve that they were shot for the the injustice there. This is not an either or. And that's what I'm seeing happen in our country and on Facebook. And we have some people that are supporting one side and some people that are supporting the other. Every life matters to God. And every life is to be grieved. How we talk about those stories in our home is passing on whether that matters to our kids. Even the things I choose to focus on. So if I only choose to to talk with my kids about the stories about bad cops, I'm making a statement. If I only choose to to focus on the stories where cops are being targeted, I'm making a statement. Neither is biblical. Because every one of those people has been made in the image of God. And every one of those people is now in heaven or hell. And our heart should be, oh, did they know Jesus? Did they know our God? How can we reach them? James ties that to loving your neighbor as yourself, showing no partiality. Let's make sure we do that in our homes. Seven on the list, pray for others regularly. Pray for others regularly. It's a great way, a straightforward way of teaching our kids how to love others teaching our spouses how to love others, developing in ourselves a desire to love others. Prayer requests come in on Facebook all the time, right? That's one of the major ways. And if you're not part of the Village Facebook group, we'd love to add you. People are adding prayer requests. I encourage you, as those prayer requests come in, if you're around family or or spouse or even friends, stop right there and pray. Don't say, well, okay, I'll get that later and, and maybe even tell them I'm praying for them. Stop there and pray. And you're showing that you care. You're showing that you love others. You may put pictures of missionaries up around your house or people you're praying for. We have a freezer full of those pictures on the outside. (laughs) The kids can see and see who we're praying for. 
But stop and do that. Passage we read already, Matthew 5, 43 and 44. And this is, this is where Jesus says, You have heard it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And what Jesus is doing there is he's redefining what it means to love your neighbor. And he's not saying to only pray for your enemies. He's, he's doing a comparison there to say, as you would love your neighbor, and that includes praying for them, do the same thing for your enemies. And so we can see that to him, loving your neighbor meant praying for them. Praying for those that we don't get along with, praying for those that we do. Paul in Romans 15 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, tying to the love that the Spirit gives to the body, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Loving one another means praying for each other. Actually praying for each other. And so in your homes, make sure you do that as a couple, as an individual, as a family. Stop and pray. Eight on your list, encourage others as a family. We talked about that during worship. I really wanted to put some some activity to this and get our kids involved. And so we'll just skip that one. We already talked about it. Encourage others as a family. Find ways to use your words. Nine, second to the last one, be careful to be right with others. Be careful to be right with others. Romans 13, 8 through 10. And this, this, this was a, a passage. That I, okay, it says that this is tied to loving your neighbor. I just don't know how to word this, but, but it said, and I almost took it out. But I'm like, no, it, it, it says that this is part of loving your neighbor. It says, owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandments are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And so there Paul to to the Romans is saying, part of loving your neighbor is doing no wrong to your neighbor. Making sure you don't owe them anything, which is an idea of either owe them after an offense or somehow um, need to make things right with them. And so part of teaching our kids and our, our family to, to love others is to make sure we're right with others. If there's a problem with your neighbor, and, and I know some of you have shared different problems with neighbors, resolve it. Let them see you resolve it. Let them see you go next door and show love and show grace and not demand your way and resolve things well. If you've offended a neighbor, make it right in front of your kids. You know, it, it can be simple things. Like, like maybe your, your trash can on, on trash day tips over and, and wind blows a bunch of trash into their yard. Have your kids go help you sweep it up, clean it up, rather than say, ah, oh, it's their yard, they can deal with it. <laughs> I don't have to now. You never know. I can remember I, I, I tend to put up a few Christmas lights. And um, a few. I remember Susie mentioned to me, have, have you even checked with the neighbors that this is okay? Because maybe they flash and go with music and some different things. And she was right. And so I went over and asked the neighbors, hey, are you okay with this? And, and their response was, yeah, could you do my yard too? And I haven't done that. But thinking of others, and, and Susie 
she got me to think of others when I was just thinking of Christmas lights. Be careful to be right with others, to do right by your neighbors. Last one, Tim. I think one of the most important ones, but I saved it to the end to leave us with this. Look to share the gospel with others and get excited about it. Pray about it. With your kids, part of helping them learn to love others is to let them know that you want others to come to Jesus. We say this is the most important thing to us, and if it is, we'll be passing on that desire for others to know Him. And so it may mean as a family, I would encourage you having a couple names that you put up for, hey, we're praying for so-and-so, we're praying for so-and-so. And pray together as a family for their salvation. Do you see what you're doing? Instead of just praying that I pass this test or get this toy or, or get this, I'm now praying for someone else's eternal soul, their salvation. All of these things are combating self-centeredness to get us to look past ourselves. In 1 Thessalonians 2.8, Paul is it's a section where he's sharing his heart for this church. And he says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. What a great verse about the outcome of his love for them. He uses words like affectionately desirous of you. You've, you've become very dear to us. How does that show itself? We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives. And if I had to sum up loving others, that would be it. Being willing to share the gospel, wanting people to come to Christ, being willing to share myself. And so as a family, be willing to pray for people. Make sure you're praying for people to come to Christ. Make sure that you're taking advantage of those opportunities. Sometimes dads and moms, we share Christ during the day or something happens and we forget to share that with our families. Help them see how important the gospel is, how important loving others are. Ten different things. Just a a list, a checklist that that maybe I would encourage you to pick one or two and say, I'm going to start this with my family. I'm going to start this in my own personal life to make sure that I'm putting into practice what God says when he says to love others. Let's close in prayer and then go out and love God and love others. Lord God, we um, praise you for your sacrifice on the cross that you have loved us when we don't deserve to be loved, when we were opposed to you, and you made a way for us to be in relationship with you by giving your son, by him giving his very life for us. Lord, a debt we can never repay, but we can copy and, and, and imitate. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to put our love for you into practice by loving others. I pray that we would be building godly homes here that are teaching our families to love you and to love others above all else. Lord, I pray for dads and moms who may be tired, who who may be tired of repeating the same thing and training the same way. Give them perseverance. Give them endurance to stand firm for your truth. Lord, I, I, I thank you for the different generations that are represented in this room. And I pray that we can work together to encourage each other, to teach each other, to train each other to be a church family. Lord, may we put your love into practice. In Jesus' name, amen.